We are in Romans 15. So guess what that means? We have today and next week, Lord willing, and we have officially completed the book of Romans. You guys are so excited. That was literally like the most quiet response I think I've ever heard. Yeah, we've been in Romans since, I don't know, like I want to say like March or before. And I think it's so cool as a church to work through our entire book. And like it's easy to like go through the book of Philippians. It's like four chapters. Or like Ephesians is six chapters. But we've worked through the entire book of Romans. And I'm just praising God for how he's used that in your life. And we get to land the plane next week. But we are in Romans 15 tonight. And as I was preparing for uh, this coming Sunday on Thursday, I was kind of reading through the passage. And I read through the passage for the week. And I, I, I love geography, okay? Yes, you can call me a nerd. It's okay. I'm secure. But anytime, that's one of the reasons why I love the book of Acts. There's so much geography going on. Paul's traveling to so many different places. And you see it here in Romans. Paul is describing a little bit about some of his travels and some of the different spaces that Paul was in. And so it actually led me to kind of go on good old Google Maps and Google Earth and go on and search up some maps because I want to see like where Paul was talking about. Is anyone else like maps? Okay, we got, okay, all right, all right, we got some, we're like, there's like 10 of us, we got to stick together here. The rest of y'all think we're nerds, but that's okay. We're confident enough to put our hand up. But I like, I love geography. Like, I love traveling to different places, and I know like random facts. Like, I know that the capital of Burkina Faso is Ouagadougou. And I've known that since I was a little kid. That's like that information I just got stuck in my head. Like, only nerds know that kind of information. And so I was really, I was really cool when I get to do some of my like sermon preparation, like looking at maps and looking at distances and stuff like that. And if you read my post um, on Thursday, I talked about, I was just kind of thinking about and comparing Paul's travels of planning churches and seeing people come to know Christ. I was comparing Paul's travels that we looked 2,000 years ago in, in the book of Acts in particular Comparing Paul's travels to the places and spaces he went to, like, today here in Atlanta, Canada, and Barrington. What would it look like if Paul traveled from Barrington to some of the places that we see in Scripture? And it kind of blew me away. And frankly, like, I got a little bit, like, convicted that maybe I'm, like, maybe I'm praying too small. Maybe I'm, like, maybe I'm not dreaming quite big enough. And maybe, like, I need to, like, take the focus off of myself and start thinking about others. And so tonight I want to talk about Paul's vision that he had to see, like, a church planning movement absolutely rock the world that was known at the time. So I want to talk about that tonight. Now, I know it's August the 7th. It's the middle of the summer. Like, it's probably the worst time ever, maybe, in the run of a year to preach on an excited vision for church planning. It's literally probably the worst time, but guess what? I'm going to do it anyways. And I think it's actually a good time because it actually reminds us why we're here. Now, I know that, like, maybe... You're thinking about vision, and the only vision you have is, like, relaxing on a beach or sitting in, like, a pool noodle 
with a pool noodle in a lake or a pool or something. Maybe that's your vision right now. And maybe this is an opportunity for us to just kind of like remind us of like, oh yeah, that stuff's good. The Bible says God's given us all things for our enjoyment. I want you to rest as your pastor. I think it's really important. I want you to relax. I want your soul to get rejuvenated. I want those things to happen. But those things are not the goal. Are you tracking? I think I'm going to say it one more time. Those things are not the goal. That is not why you exist. That is not why you work so that you can get to that resting, refreshing point. And so I think Paul in Romans chapter 15 really helps us to see that life isn't about us. It's about others, and it's about seeing the kingdom grow and expand. And so that's kind of what we're going to talk about here today. And, and I'm excited for the fall. This, us as a staff, we've been working and kind of getting ready for the fall, and we're going to launch some ministries here. Youth group's going to start back up again, and there's different things that are going to happen. Small groups are going to start. We're going to launch a Celebrate Recovery ministry this fall for the community. I'm super stoked about all those things that are going to happen here in the life of our church. But it's really hard for us to think about mid-fall. I mean, fall is almost a curse word right now, is it not? You can't say that, Jay. But, you know, it's hard for us to see the future when we're so focused on the here and now. But God wants us to look beyond ourselves and see the future. You see, if our vision for the future is limited to our own ambitions and our own personal gain, we have a pretty short-sighted vision, and frankly, it's way too selfish. Romans 15 directs us to focus on others and focus on seeing the kingdom expand. And you know, the antidote for selfishness is actually focusing on pleasing and blessing other people and focusing on a vision of the kingdom that's way bigger than us. So that's where we're going to go as we dive into Romans chapter 15 as we work through this chapter here tonight, Romans 15 actually starts off continuing the conversation that James had last week about, you know, the weak and the strong and navigating that tension. And Paul has spent four chapters trying to help this tension that existed between the Jewish people and the Gentiles. And Gentiles are just non-Jewish people, people like you and I. And there were some tensions that Paul was addressing, and he's finally kind of landing off chapter 15 here as he gets ready to land the plane on the letter and is explaining to them, like, like, don't do things to please yourself. Try to bless and please one another. Because, and he uses Christ's example. He says, Christ didn't come to please himself. He denied himself and suffered to bless us. It's actually a call to self-denial. To deny yourself for the sake of the other person. Now, Romans 14 is this great passage that reminds us of the incredible freedom that we now have in Jesus. It's great. Like, we're not under the law anymore. We're under grace, and we have this amazing freedom and this clear conscience. But the freedom that Jesus gave us is not freedom so that we can build our lives around pleasing ourselves. And so Romans 15 puts these helpful little guardrails on for us for Romans 14. We can't build our entire lifestyle around pleasing ourselves. 
Because that's not what serving Jesus is really all about, is it? Is it? And so Romans 15, the whole chapter, even the start of it here, is all about focusing on others. Our goal is to serve others in sacrifice. That's why Paul talks about the relationship here, and he uses two E words. He uses the words endurance and encouragement. They were having difficulty with their relationship together as a church. And Paul was praying and encouraged them to have the ability to be encouraged and have endurance. Endurance gives you the ability to press on. Encouragement gives you the courage to move forward. And so that's what Paul was praying here at the start of Romans chapter 15. And Paul says, you got to accept one another. All your quirks, all your differences, all your diversities, you got to accept one another. How many of y'all know we're all different, right? Some of us are really different, right? And yet, God accepts us with all of our differences, does he not? And God accepts us even with our sins and brokenness and mistakes, does he not? Now, if God accepts us just the way we are, are we not supposed to do that one with another? If Christ accepts us, shouldn't we accept one another and love one another? That's what Paul's word is here to the Jews and the Gentiles in Romans chapter 15. Yeah, you're different. Yeah, you see the world totally differently. But because Jesus accepts you, you ought to accept one another. And then Paul spends a paragraph talking about how significant both the Jews and Gentiles are. He's trying to tell both of them, look, you're both part of God's plan. Get over yourself. That's his word here. It's not about you. There's a bigger picture, and it's not about us. There's a bigger picture at play here. And Paul actually circles back to why he originally wrote the book of Romans in the first place. Paul wrote the book of Romans to give a definitive explanation about this good news about Jesus and how the good news about Jesus is for everyone. And it literally has the power to transform people's lives. Amen? And so Paul goes back and says, and this is where we're going to camp out for the next few minutes. Paul talks about his desire to reach those who were not told about him. This is what he said in Romans chapter 15. He says, Therefore, I glory in Christ Jesus in my service to God. I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me in leading the Gentiles to obey God by what I have said and done, by the power of signs and wonders through this power of the Spirit of God. So Paul was actually boasting about the work that God did through him to reach non-Jewish people. He was celebrating the work that God had done in and through him. And it made me think as I was thinking about, you know, Paul boasting about these people because these people had faces and names. Paul was boasting about all these hundreds and hundreds and thousands of people that came to faith in Jesus and their life was transformed because Paul chose to respond to the call of Jesus and travel from Jerusalem to Elycrium and everywhere in between to tell other people about this good news about Jesus. As a result, hundreds and thousands of lives were changed. 
Paul wasn't taking any credit for that work, but he was boasting in Jesus and saying, in light of this work, hundreds and thousands of lives have been transformed by Jesus. And I boast in that, Paul is saying. And it made me think about the changed lives here in our church, here at Coastal Church. Someone asked me this morning when I was at Yarmouth Wesleyan how long Coastal's been around, and I had to stop and think about it. And this September, we'll celebrate three years as a church. And over the last three years plus, we've seen some people's lives transformed by Jesus. Not by any person, but by the good news of Christ. People's lives have been radically transformed because of Jesus. And I think that's worth celebrating, amen? We can't take any credit for that, but boy, oh boy, do we need to celebrate it. Because that's what the Spirit of God is. See, we believe the gospel, the good news about Jesus, it actually works. It actually changes people's lives. And Paul was so passionate and committed to that truth, to the truth that the gospel actually changes lives, he literally gave the rest of his life to travel all over the world at the time to tell other people about this good news. The Bible says from Jerusalem all the way around to Elycrium. I bet you're wondering where that's at. Well, that's actually modern-day Croatia. And he said that from Jerusalem to Elycrium, he has fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ. Fully. It means he didn't hold anything back. He told the fullness of the good news to all these different communities from Jerusalem all the way to Elycrium. And I was just curious as I, was, as I told you earlier. I was curious. I was like, I wonder how far that is. The geography nerd came out in me, and I just like I had to look at a map. And so I got some maps here for you. So from Barrington to Glace Bay will take you about six hours and 49 minutes to drive, and it's about 640 kilometers in a car. You want to know how far Jerusalem to Elycria is, is on foot or on a camel or a horse? Here we go. Ready for this? 3,133 kilometers. Paul is explaining to the church in Rome here, I've traveled all the way from Jerusalem to Elycrium and to a whole bunch of communities in between, and I have proclaimed the gospel fully. Hundreds and hundreds of lives in these communities heard the good news about Jesus, responded to the gospel, and their lives were radically transformed. And Paul gave his life. <laughs> he was beaten and bruised and left for dead. He gave everything, every part of his life, to see people come to know faith in Jesus who had not yet heard. And I'm like, man, Lord, I need to dream bigger dreams. I need to have a lot more faith. He had a pretty big vision to see people come to know Christ. And so much so, he had preached in these communities from Jerusalem to Elycrium that he said he actually had to go find new ground. I was like, dude, that is crazy. Paul had such an impulse to reach those who don't know Christ. And let me just ask you, are we supposed to have that same impulse to see people that don't know Christ reach for the gospel? 
Do you feel compelled to reach those who don't know Jesus? Is our church supposed to have that same passion to reach those who don't know Christ? Isn't that why we exist, church? Paul goes on to say that, it has always been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ was not known, so that I would not be building on someone else's foundation. Rather, as is written, those who are not told about him will see, and those who have not heard will understand. That is why I've often been hindered from coming to you. What's your ambition in life? If you could nail that down honestly from your heart right now to one thing, what would that be? What is your ambition in life? And does that ambition in your life line up with the ambitions of Jesus? Because if it doesn't, there needs to be some realignment done. There needs to be some soul shifts that happen. And that's the part of transformation. That's the part of Jesus actually changing our lives. You see, all of us want a changed life. We just don't want to change anything. We all want this beautiful picture of being Christ-like and loving and caring and being for the kingdom and investing our time. To, we all, like, I think we want that goal, but when we start the process of God changing the way we think and changing our desires and changing our ambitions, we're like, I don't want to do that. And so we have this like push and pull going on inside of us, right? And Paul had to go through that the hard way. Paul had to get knocked off his high horse, literally, on the way to Damascus. And God has to bring us through this humbling process of fully surrendering, as James talked about in worship, fully surrendering to Jesus. And sometimes, church, that ain't pretty. And we have to throw off our aimless pursuits and actually be gospel motivated by everything that we do. And listen, like, sometimes we think that this following Jesus business, and it might mean this for some of us. Sometimes we think that this following Jesus business is like, I got to, like, sell everything I have, give my money to the poor, and come follow Jesus. Now, some of you might be called to that, like the rich young ruler. But I would dare say for a lot of you, God has actually already given you and entrusted you with jobs and resources and a family. There's things and responsibilities God's already given you. So in all likelihood, God doesn't want to change what you're currently doing, like your job or your employment or the place you live, all those kinds of things. He may, but in most cases for those of us in the room, he probably doesn't. He doesn't want to change the what. He actually wants to shift the why. It's why you're doing what you're doing. Why are you working? You're not working for the weekend. Everybody is working for the weekend. No, not if you're in the kingdom of God, you're not. You're working to provide for your family and to advance God's kingdom. And so you can live sent on mission and be a light and witness in your very workplace. In your family, God is using you to be a light. And you don't want to know how God wants to take Jesus in every community of Southwest Nova? He wants to do it through you being a light and a beacon where he has planted you. You've got to bloom where you've been planted, church. And live on purpose and not just with this aimless pursuit. How you doing out there? I'm giving a vision message on August the 7th. You're awfully quiet. 
Those who have not told about him will see, and those who have not heard will understand. Some of you are sitting here right now in this room, and you were one of those people. You were told, and now you understand, and your life is dramatically different. It's not easy, but your life is different. Some of you in this room are still on that journey. You still haven't made that decision, but you're starting to hear, and you're starting to understand, but maybe you haven't fully made that commitment to accept Jesus. God is working. And we're going to continue to work here in Southwest Nova to see more and more people come to see and more people understand. But what I love about Paul's story here in Romans chapter 15 is there was a sense that he was complete one section of his mission. This is what the Bible says. It says, but now there is no more place for me to work in these regions. That must be nice. He got to the point where he's like, all right, I'm done. Time to go get some more. It's like, this is crazy. Now I've, there's no more place for me to work in these regions. And since I've been longing for many years to visit you, I plan to do so when I go to Spain. Hope to see you while passing through and have you assist me on my journey there after I've enjoyed your company for a while. You know, one of the things that kind of drives me crazy is when companies or organizations have a mission statement that's really, really vague, and it doesn't, like, no one really knows it. And there's no way to accomplish it. And I, I tried to, like, Google some examples, and, and, and there were some different companies that were there, and I said, yeah, I know what I'm just, I'm just going to say this. Like, mission statements should, like, stir and move your heart into action. And there also should be a sense that you can actually accomplish the mission that you set it to do. How would you like to go out on a mission and do something and there be no end goal in mind? It's like, I want you to coil rope forever. Nothing else. You're just going to coil rope and keep coiling rope and keep coiling rope. Sounds fun, right? No. No end goal in mind. What I love and was inspired by this week as I meditated in Romans chapter 15 was this, church. There was a sense with Paul that the first assignment God gave him was complete. He had literally brought the gospel to the regions in that area. And now it was time to go take on a new project. And I guess what inspired me was, you know our mission. Our mission is to take Jesus in every community of Southwest Nova. And sometimes we think that is maybe a slogan. I believe in my heart that it's actually possible to do that. And that there is a sense when that mission can be completed. And I love how Paul actually said the word regents. Because right now, God has called us to take Jesus into this region. And I dream about the day when we're part of planning or helping plan our first church at Coastal. And our second and our third and hopefully a whole bunch. But what if as we're faithful to do what God has called us to do, God actually trusts us with not just this region, but regions? What would it look like if we don't just impact Southwest Nova, but what if, what if God actually called us to be part of seeing a church planting movement happen in the whole province of Nova Scotia? And then as I read about Paul and his trip hopefully to Spain, I got convicted again. And I'm like, man... Like, do you know how far it is from, like, Jerusalem to Spain by any chance? Like, I thought it was just, like, a little jaunt or maybe a little sail in the boat. Nope. Let's bring up the map of Spain here. 
From Jerusalem to Spain is 5,300 kilometers. Just to give you a little bit of perspective of what Paul's ambitions were. If I were to leave here today and drive to Victoria to BC, it would take me 59 hours in a car without pee brakes. And Paul's vision and passion to reach unchurched people that don't know Christ and to see churches planted from Jerusalem to Rome was so big, it was the size of Canada. I know I'm preaching a vision message on August 7th, but I got to. Like, this blew my mind this week. And I'm like, Lord, my vision is so small. Here I was just thinking about our area, and I'm thinking, God, you gave this man in the scriptures a vision that was the size of Canada. God, I'm praying prayers that are too small, and I'm dreaming dreams that are too small. God, would you help me to believe you for greater things here? Because don't you believe God wants to do it? Don't you believe that God wants to reach our area? Don't you believe that God wants to reach our province? Don't you believe that God wants to reach Atlantic Canada? Don't you believe that God wants to reach our nation? And don't you believe that God has the ability to do it? Because he does. And don't you believe that God wants us to play a part in seeing something like that happen? Paul believed it so much, he gave his life. And eventually, literally gave his life. You know, Paul's ambition was to make it to Spain. After he dropped off an offering for Jerusalem, Paul's whole life was marked by selflessness. He was even collecting an offering as he was planting churches because he was thinking about the church back in Jerusalem. And even while he was thinking about bringing this offering to this church in Jerusalem at the ends of Romans 15, he was thinking about the church in Rome. And even while he was thinking about the church in Rome, you know what else he was thinking about? Spain! He was constantly thinking about other churches and other people. And here I am in the middle of summer thinking about me. Oh, Lord, forgive me for being so selfish. Lord, it's not wrong to rest. It's not wrong to be refreshed. You want me to Sabbath. But Lord, help me not to be selfish this summer. And help me to realize that even rest and refreshment is not the end goal. Your kingdom is the end goal. So what do you do with something like this? I'm going to invite the worship team to come up at this time. Maybe, first and foremost, you need to change the way you see yourself. Maybe you feel like you've built your life for your own ambitions, for your own goals, for your own plans, and God likely doesn't want to take your job away from you. But he might change the motivation behind why you do what you do. So maybe that needs to change. Maybe you need to start Praying some bigger prayers. Maybe you're convicted like me, and maybe you need to pray bigger prayers for yourself. You need to start believing that God can do bigger things within you. I think we have a major self-esteem problem in our culture today because we're not adding God to the equation of your life. You're right. In and of myself, I can't do a whole lot. But when I add Jesus 
to the equation of my life? The Bible says God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or imagine because his powers that work within us, amen? I think a lot of us don't add Jesus to the equation of our lives, therefore we sell ourselves short. We need to start praying bigger prayers for our life. We need to start praying bigger prayers for our children. I love praying over my kids at night. And when I pray over my kids, I love praying and it just, and I know they're listening. So the seeds are being planted. And I love just praying and saying, God, Father, would you unfold your plans and your purposes over my children in the name of Jesus? Would you help them to know your love and your passion for them? Would you help them to know their gifts, God? I think we need to pray big prayers over our kids. I think we need to pray big prayers over our jobs. God wants to use our occupation and our work to make a difference for the kingdom. He's not afraid to pour a blessing on you. He will. We need to pray bigger prayers for our church. I need you to pray for Coastal. I need you to pray for me. We need to pray that God would give us what we need to move forward with the mission and vision God's given us. Amen? And finally, I think we maybe need to start dreaming some bigger dreams. Church, I was convicted this week. I don't know what God's going to do with this in my own life, but I know he's definitely rekindled some passion in me for, for some greater days. And when you focus on those things, it really helps you to get your eyes off yourself and your own problems. And I'm thankful that I can fix my eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of my faith, because when I focus on myself, I get discouraged. But when I look to him, I stop thinking about myself and my own issues, my own problems, my own insecurities. And I look at his beauty. And man, suddenly I start feeling better about myself. So maybe tonight, maybe that's your next step. Maybe this stuff is just like, I don't, like, I, I can't even go there right now. I can't even see, like, past myself. We just look to Jesus tonight. He loves you so much, no matter what you've done, no matter where you're at in your walk with him, he loves you, and he wants to minister to you. And in a moment, we're gonna share communion. And maybe that's a way that you can meet with the Lord here today. But James is gonna pray for us, and then we're gonna transition to communion.